Hey everybody, what's going on? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pow Pow Media. Pow Pow Media is the premier video and production video marketing resource in the DFW area. They're going to create you some original video content for TV, film, internet distribution, whatever you need. If you're a small business, you need to check these guys out because the e-commerce videos that they make are extremely valuable and second to none in the area. They've been in business since 2000. They've created over 12,000 multimedia projects. They can do drone footage, uh, any kind of promo for an event or any kind of small business or a band, anything like that. I had one made. It's extremely professionally done. They have a really quick turnaround. It looks phenomenal. I love it, and I'll be using them again for sure. So check them out at powpowmedia.com and tell them I sent you. Let's go ahead and get started. And we are live. Welcome to this episode of the Slightly Chewed Podcast. I'm your host, as usual, Chris Watson. With me on this episode, the extremely talented Miss Jackie Darlene. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing phenomenal. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. Welcome to my house. It's cozy here. It is cozy. You're in my studio. That's where all the magic happens in here. Some of the magic. I like the wall color choice. It's very blue. I didn't choose that for sure. Or anything about this house (laughs) did I choose. Except for where to put everything. I did make that decision. When did you move in here? I'll be here two years in July in this house. Been in Fort Worth, it'll be five years in July since I moved here. Do you live here officially? No, uh, I was going to move up here, but some things just didn't work out the way they were planned, and I'm still living in Waco right now. Yeah. But I'm here, you know, part-time and there part-time, and yeah. of course I travel most of the time, so I don't know if that it matters <laughs> no. if I moved up here or not right now. Waco is pretty centrally located. Yeah, everything is an hour and a half away. Yeah. Like Stephenville, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Did you grow up in Waco? Mm-hmm. Your whole life? Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, We actually grew up. That was sarcasm. That it was. It like was. Fun. Waco is an interesting town. Um, I grew up 20 miles west of it called in a town called China Spring. Okay. I've driven through there. On a, around Highway 6 mm-hmm. area. And so that's where I'm like officially from. But right. I, did, I did live in Waco for a little time in high school. Nice. Yeah. So you started playing music around Waco? Yeah. I <clears throat> grew up in the church, and that's where I started singing. It's where I really learned to sing. Yeah. Um. You're a phenomenal singer. Thank you. By the way. Thank you very much. I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to your story that you were just telling. I you're the first uh, girl that I've had on woman. You're first. You're the first woman that I've had on. <laughs> you're not a girl. Um, and uh, not because I didn't want to have female artists on because I definitely do, but because I was hesitant to find uh, someone who I think is uh, extremely. Uh, talented in every in every way that that anyone else would be in terms of songwriting, singing, showmanship, all of that stuff, and I I feel like you are a, a very prime example of that at a very early stage in your career, um, 
to, to have that package. You're, you're a very complete package as far as I'm concerned. If I was a producer, I would want to, to produce you as, as the package you already have and take that and, and help push it because you have a lot going for you, um, which seems to be very natural to you, which is really awesome. That means a so, lot coming from you. Yeah, I well, I don't know that. if it does that, but but that's how I feel. That's how I felt uh, since I've known you. I, I find you to be extremely talented in every facet of being just a musician in general. So I wanted you to know that. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so I I grew up in the church, and that's where I learned to sing harmonies. Um, I started a Christian rock band when I was in high school, and we did that for about three years. There's some stuff on YouTube. We were called Before It's Too Late. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, But I quit my senior year of high school because I wasn't, I was about to graduate and I thought I was going to go to college and start nursing uh, school right. <laughs> or do my prereqs to get into nursing school. I don't really know why. I don't I was really pressured what, to go to college. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You go to high school, you go to college, you get a job and then. That's what you're supposed to do. So I was a little, I was a little confused. Um, so I didn't do music for a little while. I started college and I made it through like maybe two weeks, <laughs> not even a, something like that. And I just decided then I'm not going to waste any more time and money if I'm not going to do it right. Right. You know, so I stopped doing that and I just start, started waiting tables and did that for three years and up until I was waiting tables even back in February. So that's when I officially quit the other two jobs and decided to take this seriously. That's pretty but, awesome. Yeah. I've been doing music for pretty much my whole life since yeah. I can remember. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a singer, even when I was a little girl. Yeah. Always. Do you always write or is that a fairly new relatively new occurrence no i've been writing since i was 12 yeah. since i started playing guitar mm -hmm. so the songs just started coming then yeah. and uh, and it's you know developed over the years like with any songwriter sure yeah it takes a lot of time songwriting as a craft definitely takes it takes a lot of doing and it takes a lot of doing it poorly and then figuring trial out kind of trial and error. Yeah, figuring out your voice, figuring out how to write for your voice, figuring out what kind of music you like. It's it's a long process. That if you started that at twelve years old, uh, that you got a leg up on a lot of people. Which I guess is probably why you're such a talented writer at this point. Uh, when you came onto my radar, so thank you. I didn't have it's to. It's been hear. ten years. I'm twenty two. I'll be twenty three on New Year's Eve. That's pretty cool. That's a cool birthday to have. Yeah, everyone wants to party. I don't ever have to like plan anything. We just get together. Yeah. Um, this year there will be a party, my CD release party. We're doing it at oh, Chief good. Records. Awesome. On New Year's Eve, and I will have a band with me that day. Awesome. Uh, we'll do like a 45-minute set, trying to get a little bit of other live music as well. Yeah. But it'll be early on. That way everybody can go party and yeah. do what they do on New Year's Eve. Sure. Do the... Go get engaged. People always get engaged on New Year's Eve. Do they? Yeah. I don't associate that, but maybe they do. Somebody always know. gets engaged on New Year's <laughs> Eve. I promise you someone we know will. All right. I'll, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. That's never crossed my mind as a thing. I People do that at, at football games and baseball games, which I think is probably a really terrible way to get engaged. Depends on your style. I guess you know? if you're both really into that team or that sport, I don't know. That seems like a pretty 
pretty cheesy way there. You see a lot of videos on YouTube of people doing that. And then the girl's like, oh my God, let's just talk. Can we talk about this later? I don't want to do this right now. Hey, that's a thought that counts. Is it? Yeah. To a point, maybe. (laughs) If you're really, really in love with that person, it's not going to matter how they ask you. Yeah. Well, I guess. I guess everybody has a preference of. (laughs) That's a very hopeless romantic stance. Yeah. I'm not one of those. I'm not either. So I, I, I guess I'm a little more calculated than that, but. I don't know. Calculated? Did you describe yourself as calculated? Yes, I did. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody do that before. I would consider myself to be calculated, maybe to a point. I don't know. I'm really weird, so <laughs> there's a lot going on in there. I don't know. You but called yourself a genius earlier, too. When you I did. <laughs> I was only because I put the GoPro on top of a road case. That was what, that's in my brain, that's what qualifies genius. <laughs> in this house, you're a genius if you stack things on top of each other. So just keep that in mind. If you want to be a genius, you come over and put something on top of there something is, else. That is that style. I thought that's the vibe I get. Yeah. I see it. The clutter is what it is. No, you just have everything stacked the way you want it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The way it works for you. Most of it is functional. Some of it is safe space, uh, saving space, but most of it is functional. It looks like the room of a genius. I, I will definitely accept that. <laughs> I will accept you saying that. So how many songs are going to be on this record you're releasing? The one I just released. Or you, you, did it come out already? Yeah, I it came you just out a said month you were doing ago. a release party in, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, we were a little late in the game to do a release party. Okay. It was just weird timing. And it came out November 4th. I knew that. I saw that on, on the Facebook and all that. I'm sorry. It's okay. Know. Yeah, so um, there's six songs. Mm-hmm. And What's it called? Uh, Diamond in the Rough. Awesome. Is it available for for download and purchase? Yes, on Spotify, iTunes. Um, You can even order them. Uh, Chief Records has them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll we'll take requests and mail if that's something that somebody wants to do. Do you have a website? Yes, it's just JackieDarlene.com. Awesome. So go there and buy that record. Because I'm sure it's amazing. I heard some clips of it before, and and, uh, I'm sure that it, it... is absolutely amazing. I have no doubt that it came together really well. Yeah. I'm really glad for that. I'm really glad we had talked about working together and maybe we'll get to do that in the future. I certainly hope so. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it came together phenomenally and I can't wait to hear it. And I think everyone should go hear it. So I'll give you a copy when I leave. I will buy a car. I will buy a copy from you. (laughs) You don't have to. I'm going to support the cause. That's what you have to do. But anyway, so you have, I know, you have a background in music with your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, he is an old legendary songwriter. His name is Whitey Schaefer. Mm-hmm. He wrote a bunch of hits for a bunch of different people, but some of his biggest ones that you guys all might know would be All My Exes Live in Texas, uh, Does Fort Worth Ever Cross Your Mind?, that one he co-wrote with my grandmother, Darlene Schaefer. Oh, wow. Who I'm partially named after. Yeah. Um, they co-wrote that song together while they were married. And then he wrote, That's the Way Love Goes. And uh, a song that several artists have covered called I Never Go Around Mirrors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the privilege of recording that with him a few weeks ago in Nashville. Awesome. As a duet. Yeah. So that won't be coming out till the spring. But we had never worked together, I actually had never, I hadn't seen him maybe five times in my whole life. Mm-hmm. 
we didn't go up. He lives in Nashville mm-hmm. or right outside of Nashville. And we hadn't been up there. I hadn't seen him in 11 years uh, until last February when I went. And I've just been going up there frequently just for my separate business stuff that mm-hmm. I'm trying to do and uh, spending time with him when I get the chance. And when I asked him if he wanted to do it, he said yes. And so I jumped on that. And yeah. at 82, he killed it. That's awesome. <laughs> it sounds so good. I can't wait to release it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Did you guys get to write together at all or just, just do the, the duet? No, uh, we didn't get to write together. We tried to do that a little bit back in February when I want to, want to go up there to visit. Um, but I think... I'm not saying you can't write a song at 82, but I think his mind's just tired. He's sure. written so many songs, you yeah, know, and I'm he gets sure. pressured all the time to write. So I, I don't ever want to do that. Um, and like, I don't want to put pressure on him at all. Yeah. Um, he even turned down writing with Loretta Lynn like oh, last wow. year. She wanted to write with him cause she still does co-writes. Yeah. And, uh, he turned it down for wow. some reason. Just, Who turns down Loretta Lynn? Just done with it. I would write with Laura at a lip. I probably would too <laughs> if she ever asked me to. That probably won't ever happen, but I, Never know. if she's listening right now, you just contact me. <laughs> we'll get together. We'll write something. Yeah. No, that's really awesome that you got to do that and, and be up there in, in, in that setting with someone like that. Were you aware of him coming up as a, as a young person writing music and all of that? Did you know about the depth of his... Creativity. I, I knew what he did and I knew about the songs, but I didn't realize how influential I was, you know, I was just a kid. I didn't know mm-hmm. what it meant yeah. to a musician or to a singer. Um, I just thought that was normal until I started, I got in the music scene around the age of 20. This, the Texas music scene. Right. And Everyone left and right covers my granddad's songs. Mm-hmm. Every time I go out, I hear a song on the radio or some, one of the bands I'm seeing is playing something mm-hmm. at their country. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of song swaps and a lot of times they'll bust out and they don't even know my granddad wrote that song. And I'm sure. like, it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, but that song in particular, I Never Go Around Mirrors, is a lot of people's favorite song and mm-hmm. it never charted like to number one, mm-hmm. but it's one of those songs that always should have. So we did this, I think with the right people up there and hopefully something comes of it. Yeah. Well, that's really good. That's the place to be. That's the place to do it. Definitely. That's where things are happening. Yeah. It, so a lot Nashville. of people are building the bridge right now between yeah. here and Nashville. Yeah. There's a weird disconnect musically and people, people, uh, really take a crap on Nashville that are down here. Mm-hmm. And it's really strange to hear people do that. And I understand there's a lot of music coming out of Nashville that may not be awesome to, to everyone. But if you name off your favorite Texas music artists, the odds are that a lot, if not more than half of their songs were co-written in Nashville with oh, Nashville where the writers. Happen. And that's where all these clever songs come from. And, and people don't seem to realize that. And then when you tell them that they go, no, that they're still, they live in Texas and they get this weird, people just are weird about that. And it it bothers me that people can't just listen to music objectively and then just decide whether or not they like it. 
I agree. There has to be some sort of my my tribe is better than your tribe, you know, war about. Uh, yeah, you're going to find that in everything. It's so strange. Even in, within our own scene, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For, between Dallas and Fort Worth, there's a disconnect in, in Austin and, and DFW. And it's a strange thing, but... I think it drives, on the other side of that coin, it drives creativity in a specific way. You know, people like what they like and, and everyone's entitled to that. So you, you cultivate that in, in whatever way and you go, well, I don't want to be like that. I want to be like this. So I think there's good to it as well, but it doesn't need to be so inflammatory. It doesn't need to be so aggressively anti anything that's not me kind of thing, kind of mentality. It's weird. It's a weird thing. It is, but I, I, think, I think it's changing. I, I think so. that people... The music style that's going on, I think the Americana scene is really what's bridging that gap because a lot of those artists play here in Texas all the time and then they play in Nashville or they live in Nashville yeah, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like we have people from down here that have, are going up there and moving there even. Yeah. Um, and so I'm hope, I hope to see a bridge yeah. soon. Why you don't get that mentality in Nashville. I've spent a lot of time writing and doing stuff in Nashville, session stuff in Nashville, and you don't get that mentality up there as much because most of the people that are in Nashville aren't from even from the state of Tennessee. They're from all over the country because that's where people have flocked to to be a musician. Yeah. And so there's no I'm from Nashville, I'm better than everyone mentality. No, I don't feel that when I'm up there. Mm-mm. I never have. I've I've been nothing but embraced as a Texas style musician when I've been up there, and that's that's important. You know, places like New York and Nashville and L.A. and Austin, to a point, uh, are like that because that's where that's where you you go if you're gonna be if you're an aspiring actress and you live in the Midwest in some small town, but you just have to be an actress, the, where, where do you go? You go to LA. That's the only place you go because that's where movies are being filmed and that's yeah. where it's happening. And so everyone goes there and then it's just a melting pot of places. Austin is a little bit different, I guess, because people go to Austin and then they turn around and look at everyone else and go, wow, I'm in Austin now. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird thing, but but then they're not, most of them aren't even from there either. So I don't know. It's a strange thing. People are, I enjoy the subjectiveness and, and the beauty of, of the art form, but I don't always enjoy the human nature of yeah. it, the business and the human nature of it. It's really strange. I was going to move to Austin. I wanted to. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I didn't because of how struggling musicians down there right now. It's crazy. They're not making of, any money. It's a lot of people jumping ship. It's getting more expensive down there. The gigs are not getting any more plentiful, nor are they paying more. Yeah, a lot of the musicians are moving to Taylor. Okay. It's a very random. Yeah. But that's like the, the shift right now. I play in Taylor like once a month yeah. at the Texas Beer Company. And I had two separate people tell me that. And then I met like three or four musicians the night I played. Cause it's cheaper for them to live in Taylor mm-hmm. than in Austin, but it's not far from Austin. Right. You know, like 20 minutes probably. Yeah. Waco is not far from Austin either. That's a pretty good central location. Yeah. If you could stand living there. I don't mean to be dumping on Waco so much. No. I've done that. If I was there times. all the time, I used to, <laughs> I used to be there all the time and I was miserable. And I, now that I basically just keep my stuff there and stay maybe yeah. one or two nights a week. Yeah. Um, and then I'm on the road, you know, playing gigs the yeah. rest of the time. 
So it doesn't feel like I live in Waco. I feel like I live on I-35. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, which isn't much better. Well, I guess I am probably like you in that I really enjoy the traveling. I do too. I have been doing it full time for 10 years or more now. And I, that's my favorite part. Just jumping in the car and just going. I drive to LA. It's just 30 hours or whatever. It's, it doesn't bother me. 30 hours from here to LA. 30 hours with a trailer and a van full of people to LA. But that's really not that bad. If you knock it out all at once, you take shifts driving, you just, you just go and do it. That's what you're supposed to do. I think, you know, especially at, I don't know why I keep doing that, (laughs) especially at your age. And I don't mean to sound like I'm some kind of old person, but in my younger twenties, I moved around a ton. I was touring constantly and I loved it. Now I, I try to be a little bit more mindful of it, of where I'm going and how I'm going about it and not just get in the car and going. Yeah. But it's, it can be done properly, and I, I really enjoy it. I, I don't know. I, I play for Zach Wilkerson right now, and he lives in Amarillo. And so I have to meet up with him at most of our gigs, which is a several-hour drive in any direction from here, and I, I love it. I write a lot of songs driving, more, more than sitting in a room with a pencil in front of me. Yeah. Just driving. I do write while I'm driving, too. I thought I was the only one. No, I do it. I, I drive in silence most of the time, and I just let my let my brain work out stuff. And then I sing very poorly into my iPhone while I'm driving. (laughs) I've got hundreds probably of 15 second melody. Ah, Just one liners or choruses I've come up with. I actually did it the other day. And it's something that I'm going to try to flesh out with some of this holiday off time that I've got coming up. Well, Christmas is right around the corner. It is. Are you a, a big family Christmas person? Yeah. Uh, I will be in Waco. Well, I don't know. We, my grandmother lives in Whitney. Mm-hmm. So that's where we have Christmas. I'll probably, I'm always with my family over Christmas. I'm blessed to have a good family. Yeah. What definitely. about you? I don't do the holiday stuff too much. Uh, I haven't for a long time. My family's, uh, everyone's kind of got their own thing going on. Yeah. And, uh, it's not a bad situation. It's just, you know, everyone's got their own life, their own stuff going on their own families and whatever. So I spent Thanksgiving with my mom and my sister and her husband in Denver. Oh, awesome. That's where they live. So I went up there and, and then met up with Zach the fall the, like at the day after Thanksgiving for a gig for a weekend's worth of gigs. Was it in Colorado? Uh, it was in Amarillo and then Red River, New Mexico. And then I stayed in Red River until for like, to like Tuesday. From that Saturday sounds like Tuesday. a great weekend. It was a long, it was like a 10 day trip overall and it was a lot of snow a lot of mountains it was it was really nice and then thanksgiving just eating myself into a coma (laughs) i think we all did yeah that's what you do i've never been to colorado never been to colorado it's a lot of fun you should uh see if you can finagle your way into music fest um i have a ride and i have a place to stay yeah so I've got get two, a, those two things figured out. Um, I just don't wristband. have a, a wristband. Yeah, yeah. And I've never been to Steamboat. So I wish somebody, I wish a fairy would just <laughs> give me one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that there are a lot of people going, I'll be there with Zach. Um, this is the first year I haven't done it with my own band in a long time. Um, but I'll be there with Zach and, and just kind of, it's, it's basically takes the 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 upper echelon of the Texas music scene as a whole 
and then sticks them all in this one little town for about four days. It's really, yeah, cool. It's, it's really cool. I really, really, really want to go. Yeah. Well, so you should I'm go gonna... even if you don't get a wristband because everyone will be around. There may be functions that you can't get into, and I've been in that situation, and it, sometimes it kind of sucks. But if you can get one, you should try to get one, and I know it's not impossible. There are you know people buying them in surplus, so if you're listening and you want to hook Jackie up with a wristband, Call me. <laughs> Give her a call, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of open mics and a lot of jams, and, and you'd be, that's kind of the way that people get in, new, newer people get in. You know, yeah. you go and you get on their radar, and then John Dixon will call you if he if you're on his radar enough, you know. And I have a, Brie Bagwell is doing a couple acoustic things. She said I'm more than welcome to come jam with her. So, you know, yeah. I've got everything else laid out, the things I want to do. Yeah. I just have to, you know get there and see what happens i might find one when i get there yeah well you should definitely go either way it's a lot of fun and steamboat's beautiful my parents met and got married in steamboat in the 70s and so i've been going there my whole life since i can remember multiple times a year so that's kind of a second home to me so i know the city i have friends there and i know the city pretty well but during that festival time it's it's pretty awesome it's just everyone's just there, just having a good I'll, time. I'll probably see you there. You probably um, will. I'll be around. We'll it's getting closer and closer, and I, it makes me want to go. You know, as closer it gets to it, I'm like, okay, I think yeah. I'm going to do this. Yeah. If you got a ride and a place to stay, there's no reason not to. Well, are the are the, the condos, are they, is that, you need a wristband to get into where those are, or is that separate from? No, the condos, it's a part of a hotel. The right. grand, the grand hotel is just, it's open, but all the areas where the music is happening, there's a grand, there's a ballroom where they have stage set up and there's a smaller like meeting room where they do acoustic shows. And then there's an outside tent and then there's an out, outside stage and, uh, the indoor stuff is all wristband, but the outdoor stage is not it's cause it's outside. It's right on at the base of the ski mountain and just anyone that's walking by is a part of it. Well, so, I hope to see some uh, familiar faces there. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Any, there's a ton of people and a lot of fans. It's it's a huge deal. It's it's worth just going and just seeing it if you haven't ever done it. And just being in the mountains is pretty awesome. If you've never, been I've never in the been mountains, in the mountains, so that's something you have to experience as well. So I think you'll like that if you do it. I'll be there, and if I can, anything I can do to get you into anything, I'll be happy to do. Do I, I need snow boots? Uh, do you will need just warm clothes. <laughs> Dressing in layers, thin layers. That's the that's the idea in that kind of cold weather. Because January in Colorado is way cold. That's that's what it looks like. All that snow. Yeah, well, it's a different kind of cold. It's a dry cold because it's not humid up there in the mountains, especially. So it's not. It doesn't feel as bad. So it'll be in the single digits and it'll feel decent. But it's but it's cold. It's still cold. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do every year. So I'm looking forward to going as well. But so what else is going on? What do you, um, you have any big things coming up? Big shows or big uh, announcements? Doing a, doing a couple things. Um, tonight, I'll be singing a couple songs with uh, Eric Willis mm-hmm. at Magnolia Motor Lounge. Um, and let's see, my calendar so... Crazy. Somebody asked you like where you're playing and you have no idea. I do know you that to, like, feeling. Sit there for a minute. Yeah. Well, you don't have to do that if you've got just anything. Well, next week big uh, that you that you're coming up. I'm gonna have this up probably tomorrow. So okay. 
if people are listening. Next week, I'm playing at Leavenworth and Plano. I'm opening for Red Shahan. Mm-hmm. And if you know, you're listening and you've never seen them play, you should definitely go. Um, it's a really awesome show to see. Yeah. Uh, Rock so and that's, roll. That's next Friday night, uh, the 16th at Leavenworth and Plano. And then my release party is on New Year's Eve at awesome. Chief Records. And that'll be start around 5 p.m. Cool. So. Well, good. That's a lot of good stuff. Um, tell me about your writing process. Cause you are, I've said this multiple times and I'm going to try not to say it too many times. I, f- I think you're a phenomenal songwriter. Um, and I know that that's something that you have crafted because that's the only way to become a phenomenal songwriter. So tell me about your writing style and how you come about all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, a lot of times I just, so then I'll write in the car, like, why do I cry? I came up with while I was driving um, I hear something in my head and then I put it down on guitar mm-hmm. and just kind of build around, you know, the idea, the point I'm trying to get across, um, learning a lot right now about writing. Yeah. And, uh, one of my favorite things that a, a writers, a fellow writers ever told me was, uh, Charlie Shafter. He told me that I had to learn to write without complaining and women have a hard time doing that because we get lost in our emotions and we're all just like, you know, feelings, feelings, feelings. Well, people want to hear a story too, you know? And uh, I thought that was a brilliant piece of advice and I listened to him and I've, that has really helped me with writing lately and they're just coming out constantly. Once I learned to do that and stop getting in my feelings about everything, uh, my writing, Got a lot better. Yeah, that's great advice. Charlie is a phenomenal songwriter. Yeah, I agree. He is very good. He is recognized by a lot of people uh, in the industry, but hasn't ever seemed to really be too interested in cultivating uh, any kind of big time career. Yeah. I think he could if he really expended the effort, but he's got a little kid and he's got a wife and he's doing what he's doing. Or he doesn't have a wife, maybe. Well, he's got a little kid. And that takes up a lot of Who his needs time. A wife? I don't know. I just assumed. <laughs> I don't know him that well, but I know that he's a phenomenal songwriter, and I know that that you know there are a lot of people uh, that that hold him in that regard. So, I, any any advice that he gives out is probably really good advice to anybody. That's why and, I go to him for yeah, advice a lot of times. That's he's, the way to do it. If I am ever having a problem or a question, sometimes I'll just ask him because he responds, and it's always a good answer. Yeah, helpful. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm lucky to have people like that in my life. Yeah, there's a lot of people like that around here that are good for that, for sure. Joey Green was one of them. Joey Green's a really, really good songwriter. Yeah, he, I I totally agree. He crafts songs together in a way that is very, very accessible to a to a to a much larger market than what he puts them to, which is I think is great. It's a great way to go about it. He's very pop savvy within his his Americana style. Yeah. And if you try to pigeonhole him into a genre, he'll he'll wiggle his way out of it and do something else. Yeah. Which is kind of what he's been doing with his career for the last ten or so years. I think um, we we're similar in that aspect. Yeah. My songs are all across the board. Yeah. I mean Well you it, probably take influence from a lot of different stuff. Like what like like what did you what did you grow up listening to as a mus- as a musical lover? Well, when I was a kid, 
my mom always played Carly Simon, Stevie Nicks, and Fleetwood Mac, and and Heart, and just really cool stuff like that, and Elton John, uh, the Almond Brothers. And I, so that was an influence that wasn't really an option, it just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I was, the last time I can remember, like, trying to get out and listen to something would what is the Dixie Chicks when I was about 10 years old I wanted a Dixie Chicks CD so bad and my mom bought me their first one and uh I probably know every single Dixie Chicks song that they've ever released like I'm a huge Dixie Chicks fan I know they didn't that 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 writing style they were a huge influence on me but I know they didn't really write a lot of their stuff or any of it that I know of. Um, but Patty Griffin wrote a bunch of songs for them and mm-hmm. I didn't know that, but I was in love with those songs. Mm-hmm. And so she was an influence through the Dixie Chicks yeah. on me. And, uh, you know, of course, then there was the, the worship music at church. I, you know, would help lead worship on Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, that was, it wasn't so much an influence on my personal music though and then after that I just I only know what I've reached out and listened to myself that I've tried to dig out myself I haven't been taught a whole lot about uh the mute like music in Mm -hmm. general right I'm uninformed right but I do my best to do my research and you know listen to as much new stuff as possible um but yeah those those early on those artists that I mentioned earlier were a big influence. And then as well as the Dixie chicks and mm-hmm. a whole mix of things. Well, the gospel, I think the gospel scene and, and growing up singing in church may not have influenced your writing style so much, but it's definitely influenced your singing style. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. You've, you pulled a lot from that. It's very, it was very natural to hear you just belt out some, some stuff. And so that's really cool. Cause I, I always wish that I came up that way. Cause I didn't, I didn't start singing until late high school, maybe even after high school seriously. And I, but I've been playing instruments since I was like five. So I, I always wished that I had been put in choir or put in something like that, you know, or church or that's where I learned to sing. Yeah. Well, my church growing up wasn't one of those kinds of churches. So ours was, I mean, you sang, you know, and you didn't hesitate either. And ours was one of those sit down and be quiet and listen kind of churches. <laughs> hey, those are fine too. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. But uh, I always wish that I had that background. There's a lot of my favorite artists and singers, local and, and otherwise, have that same story where they, I, I, that's the one thing across the board of artists that I genuinely think are phenomenal vocalists. Almost every single one of them came up singing in choirs or church or, or with their grandparents, you know, at the piano or something like that. And they just, it became second nature to sing as much as to talk. And yeah. uh, I'm still trying to find that for myself because I feel awkward when I sing. You're a phenomenal so, singer. Well, and I'm picky about guy singers a lot of times, but you've always impressed me well, with your music. I appreciate that. I, I work on it a lot because it's something that I feel very self-conscious about uh, singing and, and doing that. So I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot to me. But I don't know. You're always harder on yourself, I guess, than other people would be. But I don't know. I'm pretty picky about my own voice. 
Yeah. But I don't know. So did you consciously slide into the Americana singer songwriter world or was there ever a time where maybe you wanted to try something else? Um, I don't think I was ever fully invested in the country music scene. That's where this whole thing kind of started. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple years ago, I started singing with a guy named Kirk Baxley and he really wanted to break into the country scene. And so I was gigging around with them and opening for like Aaron Watson, uh, Pat, I don't know if we've opened for Pat Green. We opened for Stoney LaRue, uh, Wade Bowen. I mean, all these people that I see now, my peers, mm-hmm. I used to open for them with Kirk singing harmonies. And so that really got me familiar with what was going on. And I was just there to sing harmonies. I wasn't trying to like shove my way into or wiggle my way into the country music scene. Sure. Um, it was just exposed to me and, but my music, I don't think some of it does sound country, but a lot of it is it's it's like you can't put a genre on it, and that is Americana. Yeah, and Americana is American music, and it's anything American influenced, which mine is, and that's just where it falls into. Yeah. Period. You know, and I don't want to be. I like the genre Americana because it's not tied down to one sound yeah with country it is right or with jazz or with blues or rock but with americana you know it gives you variety mm-hmm. and that's what i want in my music is variety i want to write for the song yeah and not for the genre or the scene that i'm in yeah so that just happened naturally i think yeah well you've gravitated towards that in an organic way it seems and it comes out of you in an organic way it doesn't never it never seems forced it never seems like maybe she wrote that song cause just because she thought people would like it. It never comes across. To me, it never comes across that way. You've, there's a lot of soul uh, and there's a lot of emotion and feeling in what, you're, in what you're doing and what you're giving people. And that's hard to do, especially just by yourself. Um, I have been a musician and composer most of, my, most of my musical life. And it's a lot easier when you've got a large band's worth of people playing things to get an emotional point across and then dumping lyrics on top of it to drive the point home. Yeah. But when I started doing uh, solo acoustic stuff, I found myself feeling extremely vulnerable and I was very vulnerable. Yeah. I have sat in my car before gigs or after gigs. When I really first started doing this alone about a year ago, I just started getting in my car and I started gigging all the time and I had just gotten out of a bad relationship and that was my therapy and that was my way of, you know, escaping all of that and keeping myself busy. But the thing that comes with that is vulnerability. And I would like cry before a gig sometimes (laughs) because I'd be like, I remember one night I called my mom and I was like, mom, this is just really hard. And to go up there alone, especially if you don't know anybody or you've never been there, whatever, and you're exposing your whole yourself mm-hmm. basically through your songs. If that's what you're doing it for, which I yeah. am sometimes it is very vulnerable and you don't know how people are going to react to your songs or you as a person. Right. You know, cause we are weird. <laughs> yes. That's just, uh, the creativity mind. Uh, we're all over the place. Sometimes mm-hmm. we do and say things that we don't even realize we're doing just cause <laughs> right. there's so much going on. In our heads, yeah, you know, 
But yeah, vulnerable is a perfect way to describe the acoustic solo thing. Yeah, especially I when you're in a setting where it may not necessarily be a music venue, like if you're thrown off in the corner of a restaurant. Oh, those are the worst. And yeah, and no one's listening, and people are more more people are put off by you than are enjoying it or accepting of what you're doing, and and then you try to sing some heartfelt song that you wrote about something, and everyone just no one turns around and no one claps. It sucks. It sucks a lot and it is very vulnerable, but I think gigs like that harden you up quite a bit. Absolutely. That's what, that's what I started when I started doing this. I don't, I try to stay away from it now that I have built a foundation, Mm -hmm. but at first that's all I was doing. And that's probably why it was so hard because it didn't seem like anybody cared about all the effort you were putting into what you were doing. No. No, people don't care. And I think that there, there's a lot of psychology tied into that in that people don't, a lot of people don't consider what we do for a living to be a job. Like okay. right now, like I consider this work, like what we're doing right now, I'm enjoying it. And that's because I surround myself with things that I like to do. It is work. We're, is, both working. we're working right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that people don't realize that this, this is what we, how we make a living. And, and when you get, when you get thrown in the corner of a restaurant and no one's paying attention, they, they, I've been approached maybe twice in my entire life of doing acoustic gigs by someone who was, who would come up and they'd go, Hey man, like I I, I'm digging what you're doing. Like it's, it's all right. I don't like, are they, I'm going to give you a tip, whatever, because I'm sure they're not paying you to be here. Like that's happened. Someone has said that to me, like, cause they, I think they thought I was panhandling. I think they thought I finagled my way into the restaurant <laughs> and set up a speakers Wow! and they were like, I'm going to, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, I'm sure they're not paying you or very much. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're giving me like $400 to be here. <laughs> they keep your money. Like keep your fucking money. You told I don't them need, that? No, I, I told them that in, in a nicer way. I was like, yeah. no, they're definitely paying me to be here. And if you don't like it, like you don't have to give me money. Like. Just go on Just your own way. Go away. Yeah, you don't have to say anything. But go away. it's very people don't consider it that, and I think because of that, it's a very dehumanizing way to make a living. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize the gravity of of because also of the vulnerability they don't realize the gravity of the just the the throwaway things that they'll say to you in passing as you're loading out or something like that or if you're low when you're coming in a, a lot of times I do a, a r- pretty regular amount of gigs over in Dallas in these really upscale restaurants just by myself and they pay well and I make, I make a good living doing them and I enjoy them for what they are. But I had, it took me a minute to figure out how to do that. But when you walk in, you walk in with a speaker and a guitar and automatically you can look around and see people looking at you out of the side of their face and just going, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like, it's happened to me. This is not what we came here for. And then you set up next to them and then immediately they're like, can we move over there to that table? Like we don't (laughs) want to be so close. It's awkward. I look at them. I look at them right in the face while they're doing it. And I want them to be uncomfortable because it doesn't bother me anymore. It used to bother me a lot, but I try really hard to make them feel bad about it (laughs) just because I think that's funny. Like if you're going to be that way. You're doing it. Obviously, you know I can see you doing it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you making the look. a scene. Yeah, I'm gonna give you the look. Like really, that's is this am I already bothering you? I haven't even done anything. I just walked in. I had no idea. It's funny. I've been there. I've been there, but I don't. I don't do the stare down thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could get away with that. I don't. I don't stare them down. I just make sure <laughs> that they know that I heard what they said. 
Just because I think that that's I think that's funny. I'm I don't know. I'm weird. I like I enjoy the the human nature aspect of the psychological aspect of what we do for a living is just as much fun for me as the rest of it. And you know, getting people emotionally invested in what you're singing is probably the hardest thing you can do. And you're probably way better at it than I am because you're a way better songwriter than I am. But it, that's it's enjoyable when you walk into a place like that and there's those people doing that and then you look over here and you've played for an hour and there are people who have turned their chairs around and they can't get enough of what you're doing. They yeah. were they were going to leave and now they're going to have another drink, that kind of thing. That's the other side of that coin. That's part, one of my favorite things about it yeah. is when they latch on and then they engage and that's what I that's what I do this for. You know, I want the audience to feel what I'm feeling. Yeah, that's my. I've said that since I was young. I've always said that people ask why I do music and that's probably one of the biggest parts are those people at those shows who mm-hmm. engage and get what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, the biggest compliment for us, you know, making someone, if it's a sad song, making someone have tears in their eyes or just anything like that, that's the biggest compliment that, that we can get as, as writers and as musicians. You know, the whole point is to create an illicit feelings. And if you do that successfully, that's, you know, you're getting paid for it. But at the same time, that that vulnerability is rewarded with with reciprocated emotion. Yeah. And And that's important. Absolutely. So, yeah. So what else is going on? Oh, just. uh, Just life. Just working. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've been doing a couple different studio things on the side for other people. Singing harmonies and stuff? Mm-hmm. I've done uh, since August, or since the summer, around the summertime, I have sang with, uh, on, the, on these people's records, on Zach Stokes, uh, Jay Smith. Who else did I do one with? I did that Christmas song with Eric Willis. Mm-hmm. We did Oh Holy Night. Um, and I just did some but harmonies for nice. Oh, yeah. Eric's um, got a, an angelic voice. I know. I'm a huge fan, and I'm super humbled when he asked me, and I'm excited to sing it tonight. At yeah. Is that what y'all are singing? Yeah. That's awesome. And then he, uh, who else have I done some harmonies for? A guy named Reed Southhall. He's out of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. just did some stuff on his record. So I, when all these come out, they're going to be like the... That same little raspy harmony in the background. <laughs> I think they'll be able to tell. Yeah. Well, hopefully. That's good. You're creating that brand for yourself. Because you do have a pretty unique voice in that as a belter, it does have that kind of that grit to it. And that's pretty cool. I always joke at my shows. I always say uh, whenever people compliment me on my raspy voice, I always say, luckily for me, my parents smoked inside. <laughs> <laughs> so I had like a lighter way to look at it yeah you know there you go because they did that's funny and they probably give you a weird look after you say that and go oh yeah yeah it's not supposed to be funny but you can't help but laugh (laughs) you know yeah try to laugh at the the negative things there you go well that isn't so negative it turned into a style of my voice yeah you're doing fine you're doing just fine so you have a six song ep Record EP. I don't know what you call it. Uh, EP. EP. Six songs. Six it's songs not full EP. length, so yeah. it is an EP. See, but I'm sure you you've probably written hundreds of songs. I don't know about hundreds. Ten years. I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's dozens. There's been a lot of songs that I don't 
even remember. And I don't know if I ever even wrote them down. Probably should have. Probably. I've never been good at writing my songs down. I normally don't. Yeah. I just write it and play it until I remember it. (laughs) Right. That's a, but I've been writing like crazy this year. I mean, probably 20 solid songs just in this last, this year, 2016. So it's, really excited it's an exciting time yeah. for me to be experiencing all this do you have plans of doing another ep or doing a full length yeah the full length is already mapped out mm-hmm. all the songs are done new songs all of them or um yeah not any of the same ones from the ep none of them and i think they are all new and that will include that duet with my granddad mm-hmm. will be on there as That's well awesome it's exciting yeah and that one's already done well, I haven't gotten a mix yet emailed to me, and I'm patiently waiting. So they're, they said they're mixing and perfecting it. So as soon as I hear it. <sighs> Whatever that means. They're, it's Nashville's talk. So I guess they're, yeah. they're Nashvilleing it up. Yeah. It's going to be probably the best quality stuff I've ever recorded. Good. I'm super pumped to hear that. Uh, but that'll be on the next full length. We'll be recording probably after the second quarter. Cool. Of 2017. That's exciting. It is. Recording is my favorite aspect of this job. I love being in the studio. Creating and and doing all of that. That's what I do in here. I spend countless hours in this room uh, tracking everything. There's bass and keyboards and drums, and I do all of that. This is just creating demos and creating ideas and fleshing out ideas. And I can do, if I'm crunched for time, I can do all of it on that keyboard. That's awesome. <laughs> sample the drums and the bass and do it all on there. But you got a couple keyboards in here. I have a couple keyboards in here. I have, there are three keyboards in here drums and way too many guitars and amps. And, you know, I play piano and I was actually. I play not super great, yeah. but I have the potential to be great if someone taught sure. me some things. Um, Cause I do know where all the notes are on there Sure, and I can play a couple that's, of my own that's on lesson piano. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing where the notes are, but I'd like a little guidance on it. Cause I'd like to bring it into my set at some point. Absolutely. You know? That would set you apart pretty dramatically. That's how, yeah. And it's, it is a goal of mine and a very serious one. It's been on kind of on the top of my list here recently. I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. So hopefully I can get something rolling Yeah. coming into this next year. Cause I will be playing full band at some point soon. And I definitely want that to be a part of it. Yeah. That definitely would set you apart. Uh, I know that Bonnie Bishop does that. She plays piano Yeah. and, and fairly well comping herself. You know, she's not a a virtuoso soloist or anything like that, but she comps and, and it's a, it's a great element. It's a visual element as well as, as, uh, you know, uh, aural element, you yeah. know, to it. But that's, that's a, a thing that I think a lot of people get lost in, in realizing that what you're doing on stage is, is really, I, to me, it's only 50% music and the rest of it is making sure that people are enjoying themselves. Yeah. And a lot of that is visual, um, a lot of people sit down on a stool when they're playing. I try not to do that unless I'm doing the loop pedal stuff. I kind of have to. But if I'm just singing, like, I know that you stand up and you move around and you have your little props that you put on the microphone and the things yeah. like that. That All that is so important, I think. And then if you have a piano sitting down with its own mic, you can go sit physically sit down at the piano. Change the it, mood for a it minute. It changes everything. It changes the, the just for everyone. Everyone just kind of goes down with you and they and you do your song and... 
I think that stuff like that is, is so important. And if you have the faculty to do it, which you do, there's no reason not to. Yeah, I agree. I think that that would be a great addition to what it, to what it is that you're doing. And I think a piano would accompany your voice really well. It does. I mean, when I, that, I was playing piano before I started playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, I started teaching myself when I was like seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I actually was going to tell you that a while back. I remember I told you I wanted to talk to you about some music stuff. That was one of the things I was going to talk to you about. Yeah. See what you thought. And because I know you play mm-hmm. and I don't know a lot of people that play piano, but you're one of them. But that's been on my my list of accomplishments that I want to get done. It's yeah. been there for a while. Well, that's not an unreasonable idea for sure. It's it's pianos are cheap these days, you know, good enough pianos with good electric, you know, Whirly and Rhodes sounds and piano sounds on them. They're not very expensive. This one that I use right here, this MX-49, was only a couple hundred bucks. But I use it as a MIDI controller through uh, Logic and Pro Tools. Very so cool. I download sounds and then play the sounds on the keyboard. So it's not a, an expensive keyboard, but the piano sounds are Yamaha sounds. And the like, kind of the go-to grand piano sound is the motif, the big gray full-size motif and it's got all the motif sounds on it oh so really when I bought for a couple it, hundred bucks or it was yeah it's two or three hundred bucks used and for that i was playing it live because that because of that i would bring it out to my solo shows and plug it into my loop pedal and do all that kind of stuff and then uh and then i got way more into organ style so i bought a i bought a nord to play organ on that's a good piano it's a phenomenal piano is They're, it red it's red I've and, played one of those when I was in my Christian rock band. Yeah, that's what's in this big long road case right here. Yeah, I that's used to my, play one in my, in my Christian rock band. Mm-hmm. So I, I was doing it in high school too. Like yeah. for two of the songs, we'd start out, I'd just be on piano and yeah. then the band would come in. But it was a red Nord. Yeah. All Nords are red. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. And they They're are cool. And they are phenomenal. It's one of the best keyboards out there for the money. It's kind of the industry, the industry standard. A lot of most touring players use them there's a there's a model called a stage nord which has synthesizer sounds piano sounds uh, electric piano sounds organ uh, it's got all of them and it's really expensive and they're they're but they're second to none in terms of overall sound quality so the one that i've got is an electro and it's more organ based but i love it it's a phenomenal keyboard and i have a leslie cabinet that i actually had to send off today to get fixed the motor busted so the speakers don't rotate Dang. I know. It's just dumping money into this nonsense. It's but not nonsense, though. It's. It depends on who you ask. It, it depends on if you ask me at the right time of day. I thought it was nonsense <laughs> when the guy was giving me a quote on how much it was going to cost to fix it earlier. I was like, you just keep it. I don't need it that bad, but I want it, I guess. But there's no, there's no rival sound that sounds any better than a, than an organ with a actual physically rotating speaker though i played last night at a place that has one that just lives in the place it's a, an original b3 in the big wooden cabinet with a wooden speaker that wrote like the original 60s model and i played on that last night and i just went oh, that's awesome this is just what it's supposed to sound like it's just all of the everything that's been emulated since then the nords and the the rollins and the Korg, everything that, that everyone thinks is so good is really good until you sit down at a real one and then you go, oh, okay, this is what it's supposed to sound like. It's very obvious the difference between the two. So I don't know. It That's was really a good fun. comparison. Uh, what was I going to say? My granddad, the way you just described the, the organ thing, mm-hmm. 
my granddad, that song we recorded, I Never Go Around Mirrors, mm-hmm. he showed up to Lefty Frizzell's doorstep with it on a demo in like 1967. Yeah. And then Lefty cut it the next day. Now Lefty sang it just, or tried to sing it just like my granddad did. Yeah. And then after that, then everybody started doing Lefty's version or what mm-hmm. they thought was Lefty's version, what was really Whitey's version. Mm-hmm. And then they're finally going to be able to hear it yeah. on this record. So I think it'll be the same feeling that you just described. Like, oh, this is what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah, so. absolutely. There's a lot to be said for that, in, especially in terms of uh, singing styles and writing styles. I think uh, I mentioned earlier that you have, to, you have to come into your own voice and come into your own style. Yeah. And everything obviously is going to be derived from, from the amalgamation of things that you like. And it has to be that way or else you'll never know what you like and you'll never know that. But once you figure out yourself, then it's exactly like that, where this is what it's supposed to sound like. Because it's coming out of you because it's a song you wrote. You're not trying to be, you know, whoever. You're not trying to be Leanne Womack or whoever. You know what I mean? You're, you're being you. And, right. and then when people hear that versus they hear you doing a cover song maybe you're you're copying the melody and you're copying the feel and it does it's not the same as if the the writer no not at all and that's i draw a very solid and and thick line between cover songs and original songs in the setting that we were talking about earlier uh in the restaurant setting where people aren't necessarily there to see you on purpose they're just they're catching you inadvertently i will play i try to do one and one and I'll do a, I do a very eclectic mix of music in general. But at my solo shows, I know so many songs. I'll just kind of throw stuff out there just to see if I can get someone to turn around on one of those specific type shows. But I try to do a cover and original back-to-back, one-to-one-to-one-to-one for the whole night. And I will often find that if I do a real emotional original song that I wrote after a very emotional cover song that I will sing... Then they'll pay attention. They will turn around on the original song. I've done the same strategy and they And they won't turn around. And I'll think I'm nailing Cover Me Up or some really emotional, you know, loud singing type of song. And then I'll do one of my own that's like, that I feel is is just as emotional for myself. And they'll, I'll get a reaction out of it. And it's like, that's, people recognize that. They recognize something that's real and something that, that, it's very obvious that it means something to me, even though it, to me it sounds kind of the same because I sang both songs, you know, in kind of the same way. But they, there's something that happens like that. I think all of those things go together. People recognize that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like Lori McKenna's version of Humble and Kind. Tim mm-hmm. McGraw did it. Uh, but her record just came out. as Dave Cobb produced. Mm-hmm. And when it's amazing, by the way, everybody should go listen to it. But that song, when you listen to it, and you've heard the Tim McGraw version. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. Yeah. It's coming from her, the writer. Yeah. And uh, I, that same exact thing happened with the song Whiskey and You by Chris Stapleton. Tim McGraw, yeah. Tim McGraw did a, a version of that song. I'm not going to say how I feel about it. But he did a version of that song. And then it was on Stapleton's record. And everyone went apeshit over it. Yeah. And didn't even, it didn't even sound like the same song. But hearing that version of it is, I mean, that's... That's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to sound. And I, I encourage everyone always to figure out who you are as a musician and, and who you are as a writer and, and what you like and all that stuff. But then you have to find you have to find that and then you have to use it to find your own voice. I know a lot of people that I don't think have quite found their own voice, and I might be one of them, but it's just when it happens. I think that you have. 
I'm coming, I'm coming around full circle in that I really believe that you seem to be very confident and comfortable with everything that I've seen you do. You know exactly who you are and why. And that really comes through in your show. And I think that's why a lot of people have latched onto you as fans. I think it's really easy to do. It's easy to latch onto something that, that's real and raw and makes you really feel real emotions. Like yeah. That. I, uh, I had a hard time with that at first when I first started doing this. I was trying to figure out what, you know, my sound was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And a few months ago, um, a friend of mine told me she's very uh, intelligent. Um, she's kind of a hippie. She gave me a really good piece of advice. She said that once you learn to love yourself for who you are, that'll shine through in your music in ways that you'll never, that you would have never done before. And that really sunk in. And I started to try to learn to love me for me. Mm-hmm. And that's when these songs started coming out and the show changes when that happens, Yeah, you know, and you can see it on a person's face. Yeah. And I think that's played a big part in it. People definitely recognize real things like that. I think there's, there's a lot to be said for that. If, if you're doing a cover song and then you do an original song you don't have to announce either one, people will know which one was which there's no, there's no faking uh, it. Yeah. It's, you can't, I mean, then there's obviously there's nothing wrong with putting cover songs on your records or doing anything like that. If it's a really good song and you believe it and you're doing it, that's, that's one thing. But you know, people who, exclusively learn covers and, and have five original tunes. You know, there's their the vibe of their show is not the same as the vibe of your show. Yeah. It's a totally different it's a different experience for the listener. And I think it's <coughs> it's easier for the listener to latch on to something like that. They want they want to be moved. If you're a listen if you're a music lover and a music listener, that's why you're a music lover. Is because you want to be moved. You want to be taken somewhere and transformed into this thing for a couple of minutes and, and given this, given this thing to think about and this overall, it's a really powerful tool yeah. to have and to be, to be someone who's, who's as good at it as, as you and a lot of other songwriters are. It's a very powerful tool to take people on an emotional journey. It's a, has, it has its rewards. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that, you know, when people hear my songs and they, if, if they, uh, latch on to it. I take pride, not pride. I wouldn't say it feels good to know that I'm not alone and I'm not the only person that was feeling those things. Yeah. You know, when they respond and they get it and they, they feel it too, or have felt it or been through it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a really good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And people need to know that. You know, you don't want to get into the pigeonhole of writing the same song over and over again and break up songs and sad stuff or or whatever. But people definitely need to know that kind of thing. Being depressed and being uh, downtrodden is it's a very alienating experience. I know that from experience. I, I deal with a lot of that anxiety and depression. And I know that I know that it's, I'm not the first person that's ever experienced that. But I feel at the time like. How, how, why would I talk to anyone about this? They don't understand. And then you hear a song like that, that, that is awesome. And it, and you, it takes you to that place and you go, holy crap. Like they went through the same exact thing I went through and then you feel better. 
yeah. or you feel worse Therapy. and then it takes you to that place to feel better. It takes you. Yeah. It, it gets the ball rolling on the journey of, of catharsis. And, and I think that's really important for people just as, just as human nature, just sitting down and talking with someone who might be having a bad day and makes them feel better because yeah. they, they're not alone. You know, it's just that, that goes outside of music and just into basic human nature. Yeah. I think that does play a role in the music and the songwriting. Uh, I've learned to just be honest, mm-hmm. you know, with what I'm going through or have went through mm-hmm. and uh, try to get the message across in a clear way. Yeah. Well, if you, like you said before, if you're comfortable with yourself and you learn to love yourself, uh, that includes all of yourself for your, for your pitfalls and your, and your successes. Mm-hmm. And, if you if you are a person who's not afraid of failure and who can accept failure and who can put that in in a song then that's even more powerful to those people you know there's there's too many songs i think there's too many songs in the world that are a little bit too how awesome is my life all the time type of songs yeah, those are strange they are strange <laughs> because that's not how anyone's life it's not is reality. ever and all these you know driving down to the party and we're going to have just party all night. And you know, any genre of music that it's just, everything's awesome. I'm rich. I have all these cars, all these women. Wanna... Maybe it is their reality though. I don't you think know? maybe it is, maybe it's their perceived reality in their own head, but it's <laughs> not, I don't think anyone's life is really like that. And so I, that's, it's an interesting culture musically to, especially like the, the super top of the, the bubblegum pop charts, your Katy Perry's and, and people like that. They're they're creating this weird standard for for younger people of of how I think younger people think that life should be. If you go back to like the '60s musically and the '70s musically, people like Linda Ronstadt and the Eagles and and back to Bob Dylan. A huge like Linda that. Ronstadt fan. I am too. And but they were writing songs about about real things in real life and real political issues and. Just things like that and not just going to the club and getting drunk and, and trying to meet somebody and whatever that it's, it's a totally different, it's a totally different thing. I don't, I don't, there's a weird transition there and I don't know when it happened because I'm only 30 and I wasn't around for it consciously, but it happened. I train, I gravitate toward more towards the, that older style of music because yeah. You can listen to a B-side at the end of a, of a long record that people didn't even really think there was going to get listened to. And it's still a really good song in its own right. You know, a lot of that old early Linda Ronstadt stuff is like, it's very, it's very heavy. Yeah. Emotionally heavy, personally emotionally heavy, and, and culturally emotionally heavy. And I, we don't get a lot of that. And so we need people like you who are, who are doing things like that to continue that torch. Because that, that realness of that music... Like like her and like and like you and like some other people, especially there's a handful of people around here that I feel that way about that. You're setting yourself up for a very lengthy career when you're doing that. You're not you're not riding a fad of this decade or this year or this thing. You're you're setting yourself up by being real and by giving people something that they can genuinely latch onto and enjoy. That's timeless. It is timeless and they'll come back to it and they'll come back to your first record. And five years from now, I hate my first record. I did my first record in 2007. I think it's terrible. But people still 
will come up to me and go, man, I've got these first couple of records you did and I just, I love them and I love this new stuff and you're doing all this and all that. And I go, well, how can you listen to that and think that that's good? You know, they don't know any different because they liked it when they came out, but that kind of thing, I think it, I don't know, that, that that's why there's so many classic rock stations still spinning the Eagles and still spinning Led Zeppelin and all that stuff. It's because that music is transcendent. I don't think classic rock stations in 20 years will be spinning Katy Perry. No, they won't. If and only, I think it's part of a subliminal messaging why they're all singing that stuff because they're making these kids live in, an, in a, a world that doesn't that isn't real. No, and they're delusional. It's setting these a lot of people up and kids up for a really strange awakening when they come of age and come of come of age consciously as as individuals. They're gonna go, well, why isn't my life like that? Why don't why am I not Kim Kardashian? Yeah. Like why is my why is my life not like that? But hers is. And hers, it's awesome all the time. It's like, because it's not awesome all the time. What you're getting is so calculated and so overproduced and overdone and, and just jammed in your face that you're not getting the rest of it. It's polished. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, you're not getting the Britney Spears who shaved her head because she couldn't handle the anxiety and stress of her life. You don't get that. You get dancing on stage, Britney Spears in a leotard. <laughs> who doesn't want to do that? Well, I would love to do that. <laughs> I don't own any leotards currently. I used to when I was a kid. I did some dance. I was in took dance <laughs> classes. We did recitals and yeah. I can I can I can dance. I cannot dance. I'm a horrible dancer. Sometimes really? I'll sometimes I'll embrace it and I'll get out there and I'll give it a shot, but I don't have it in me. I have rhythm just fine. I bet I don't I don't understand the concept of dancing. You're just moving around. That's not a form of expression that appeals to me. I that's I appreciate it as that. If that's how people choose to express themselves, by all means then do that. <laughs> I don't understand it as that. Uh, to me it's just moving. You're just moving to a beat and you're just doing things. If you're doing it strategically, that does there is a lot of expression there. Um but then I, I don't understand some of the people that just like move in different directions with no point just like, yeah like the old hippie kind of the yeah. old hippie at the music festival is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just so high and just moving in the wind it's just <laughs> can't control themselves yeah it's probably because they're tripping i identify yeah and i identify more with those people than your your professional dancers who are behind justin timberlake you know where it's all super choreographed and all those moves have names and they go, okay, well now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do that. I don't know. I don't get into that. I can't do it. Maybe if I could do it, then I would get into it, but it doesn't, that doesn't appeal to me. That's what we did. Maybe it's, maybe I like it because that's what we did in dance class when I was a kid. Maybe. I was in like when I was seven, six or seven years old, sticking dance lessons, <laughs> tap, jazz, nice. You could incorporate ballet. that into your show. At some point. I'd like to. You could set up a loop and then you could tap dance for a second and then play another verse and then tap dance. It'd be like a solo. I really wish I had some tap shoes. Tap solo. Sometimes I catch myself doing it and shoes that aren't good for tapping like Converse or cowgirl boots. And I think to myself, Not a lot of ankle I need to get some tap boots. shoes and start tapping again. <laughs> you could get some Toms and you could hot glue <laughs> little symbols, little small symbols. That's to the, the cheap way though. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Toms aren't cheap. <laughs> they're 42 cheap. bucks that's cheap in the in for shoes for a pair of shoes i, I guess for what they are i'm i buy everything secondhand so cheap to me is like seven bucks okay yeah they're not that for sure but you're buying and you get some kids get some shoes i've bought toms, toms before and I, I like them 
I was a fan. That's all I wore in high school. They smell bad after a while mm -hmm. if you don't wear socks with them. But you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to wear socks with them? Well, it's, I mean... I'm, I don't think I ever did. I'm not the most fashion-savvy person on the planet, if you can't tell by looking at me. <laughs> Look at me. I'm wearing a hot pink <laughs> beanie, and I don't know where this sweater came from. I just found it at my mom's house. Yeah. And uh, well, some old go. Converse and some ripped-up jeans. It's you got you got you got it is what it is yeah it is what it is it goes with the music <laughs> yeah I hope so I don't know I think it does I am changing into some uh uh super what are those jeans called bell bottoms oh uh, some corduroy pants I'm corduroy putting on tonight bell bottoms yeah that Casey Moreland gave me my mother would be very <laughs> proud they are they're my favorite pair of pants I think I've ever had yeah they they're perfect. They fit just right. I don't know why he had these. I think they're girl pants. He wear he's skinny enough to wear girl clothes. Yeah, he for is. For sure. Yeah. He's got a lot of cool shirts. He was, he goes to a guy to buy his those He told me about that shirt. guy. He told me about him too and he never we were going to go a handful of times and we never ended up going. But they're super cheap these shirts. 10 bucks. Something like that. From Mexico. Yeah, he just buys them buys, buys them in bulk and sells them. I don't know where he's getting girl pants from. I think I he would, said he got those at a thrift store and they looked really cool. And he said he put them on and they were too tight. So he said, well, they might fit you. And I said, okay, well, let's try. And he's they like fit eight perfect. Feet tall. Yeah. That's the, strange. It is. These are my favorite <laughs> pants. I'm putting, I'm wearing them tonight. Good. I think you should. I'll probably come see you. I haven't seen you Eric should. in a while. Austin playing Austin means too? opening. Yeah, that's going to be a good show. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'll probably come up there. I don't have anything going on tonight. So that'll be fun. But... I don't know. You and I should write together. How come we've never done that? Because we're both really busy. <laughs> That's definitely the case. And we both work. I think we've talked about that before. Tirelessly. We can make some time. I would enjoy that. I think we could come up with something cool. I've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, I'm trying to write for, for my new record right now. And I've been kind of diving back into the R&B stuff because that's what I that's where I live musically. That's awesome. It's the jazz and R&B world. And I put out this Americana record a few months ago and I was, I was happy with it, but I realized very quickly that that was not, the songs were all songs that I wrote on purpose. They weren't contrived songs except for one that I co-wrote with uh, Josh Weathers. But I, uh, that, that acoustic guitar and fiddle and all of that, that's not me. I thought it might be, I was going to give it a shot. If you go back through, I've done five records now since 2007 and if you go back through all of them they're all completely different and so it doesn't bother me that that's out mm -hmm. but i'm it's really good by the way I've i appreciate that i appreciate that i i was proud of it it just wasn't I, I i played a bunch of shows on that record and i played the venues that you kind of have to play when you play that style of music and these are venues that i'd never really played before because i'd never really in that scene outside of dfw that is and uh, they're venues that I, you know, that I've been to plenty of times, but I've never played them. And, and my style outside of those songs that were for, for that record didn't really fit those venues very well. And I realized very quickly that 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 wasn't who I was. So I'm going back to this new record is going to be more like the old stuff with the horns. I don't know if you ever experienced that or not. I've, I've listened to uh, some music like that. There's a guy that used to play with Etta James uh, way back when. He's very soulful, 
R&B sounding, which is where I think R&B started. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of horns in there. Yeah. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. That I, style of music. I did two records like that. I had an eight piece band. We were touring for almost three years nationally with that band with the horn four four horns and doing Motown soul stuff. And that was, that was the most comfortable I think I ever was as a musician. And I think that a lot of that stems from, because it was very compositional musically and that's kind of where I live. Yeah. Um, You're very calculated. I'm very calculated. <laughs> yeah. So the music comes out that way, but I, so I'm going to go back to that. And so the stuff I've been writing lately has been a lot more of groovy R and B type stuff. So I think it would be really cool to collaborate with you Absolutely. Uh, um, I have some good lyrics on an R&B tune. Yeah, I can sing, you know, R&B stuff that that style comes in a little bit naturally, I think, because my influence from Alicia Keys and yeah. the early Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Or not the early. She had, she had one record where there was a lot of soul in it. And I used to like m- try to mimic exactly the way that Christina and Alicia sang their songs. Yeah. So I taught myself how to... Yeah. Do all that stuff. Alicia um, Keys had, man, she had something special for a while. She yeah, was she's just awesome. so slaying. great. And she did something. She had a record maybe a year ago or two years ago, and it was really, really good, too. She's one of my favorites. She is an influence. I did, forgot to name her. Yeah, that's good. I got my first wreck jamming to Alicia Keys. Oh, yeah? <laughs> jamming too hard? That was jamming too hard, and I didn't look, and this person <laughs> in front of me had stopped on their brakes and it crashed. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. Totaled car. Well, that's a real thing. Thanks, Alicia. Thanks. Yeah. You should write her a letter. <laughs> try to get it. It was that song, uh, No One, No One. Oh, yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. I was jamming hard. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. And that's how it happened. But I, I never told anybody until recently because well, it's been long enough now where I can say that and then they won't question. <laughs> even though I've done some questionable things in my car recently. Yeah. We don't have to get into that. I'll tell you after the podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. There you go. Well, I won't tell anyone that you were, that you got into a wreck listening to Alicia Keys. So, shh, everyone, be quiet. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, that's good. I think you have to. You, I can. I could see you throwing down on some pretty aggressive R and B stuff as a vocalist. There's a handful of people that that I in that genre, more in my genre of jazz and jazz and R and B, which is kind of where I live musically, that. You may not be aware of, I'm going to make you a list of names of women singers that are just mind-blowingly good, that are like that, that aren't on the mainstream radar that you may not be aware of. And I think you'll really like them a whole lot. You give me the list, I'll check them out. Yeah. I drive a lot. You know, I listen, I'll listen to yeah. music. I think that there's a handful of them like uh, Layla Hathaway. Do you know who Layla Hathaway is? Do you know who Donny Hathaway is? No. Donny Hathaway was a soul singer in the 60s. A big time, like top of the top up there with Stevie Wonder and all those guys. He was a soul singer back then. And uh, I was a big fan of his growing up. I grew up on that kind of stuff. And Layla Hathaway is his daughter. And she has a voice that you would not believe. And it's the it's this range, this unbelievable range. Uh, it's not like Mariah Carey, like dog whistle range. It's kind of in the opposite direction. She can do that high stuff, but not up there like that, but she can go falsetto, you know, female falsetto, but then she's got this deeper stuff too, that she really digs in and you can tell it's coming from way at the bottom of, of her diaphragm and all of that. And it's just unbelievable. And she did this thing with a band called snarky puppy, uh, who is a, a jazz fusion band from Denton. And uh, she did a song on one of their records that won a Grammy a couple of years ago. Wow. And 
she she does this really long scat vocal solo in this song and it, they recorded it live in front of an in front of an audience it's a phenomenal record it's on uh, family dinner volume 1 if you're looking at it I'll have to go up. check it out it's a phenomenal record uh, but anyway, she does this song and, and half and towards the end of this vocal solo, she does there's okay. Let me preface what I'm about to say. There are monks somewhere in the world who can separate the folds of their vocal cords into two separate notes and harmonize with each other. Are you familiar with that? I've heard of that. Okay. She can do that. Wow. And she does it in this, in this jazz fusion tune that she does. It's a song that she wrote and the band arranged, so it's an original tune, but she does that, and it's mind-blowing when she does it. And the band, because they're doing it live, the band didn't know she was going to do it, and they all go crazy. They didn't have any idea what was about to happen. And some of the best musicians, I'm sorry, some of the best musicians in in the country that are in this band. I mean, this band is not to be messed with. I'll have to go check them out. And oh my God, it's amazing. So yeah, do that. I'll write that down for you. But yeah, Layla Hathaway is phenomenal. There's a woman uh, named Lettucey. Uh, who's if you're into that jazzy R&B style this I've, I've that's all I listen to so that I'm going to give you a little I'm getting excited just thinking about it and and very interested to know what you think about these people because they're people that I would definitely hold in very high regard musically so I'm going to do that for sure uh, thank you I my, appreciate it my brain any is, new music because totally okay with me I need to learn more yeah about what's going on anyways I don't I haven't heard of those people, and I yeah sounds like I should. Well, there's a whole underground movement right now of of neo soul and R and B, and that's that's where I've lived musically for the last ten fifteen years. Of just that's what I just gravitate towards. I can't help it. That's what I like, and that's what I want to play all the time. I think that you and I could write some cool stuff like that, and maybe do a duet on my record or something like that. I think that I'd would, love that to. would be really cool to have something like that. We'll have to set aside the time yeah, and make I, it happen. Yeah. I think that we could Down. do some cool stuff. I do a lot of writing with Johnny Cooper. I'm a fan of his. He's pretty good. I, I've heard him uh, live twice and then on the radio. They did TXRDR a while mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. He's great. He's got that sidecar thing that he's been doing with Justin Ross, which is probably what you heard on uh, the red yeah, hot yeah, yeah. radio, but his own stuff, he's got a record that they're about to start recording. And, uh, I think I'm, I've got a cut on one or two of them, but, um, he and I write together very well. He's got this kind of Justin Timberlake pop sensibility that he's kind of sliding into. And then he, he will mix that in with my jazzy R and B element. And we've written some really cool songs that are, going to go on his record and they're going to go on my next record too so get you involved in some of that stuff i'd love to you have my number i do so that'll be really fun but anyway i don't know i get excited talking about that stuff and introducing music there's so much music out there there's so much good music out there that you would never know of if someone doesn't tell you about it or if you don't just spend hours a day trying to find it which who has that kind of time but i think it's cool to to get to introduce, you know, my element of music to people like you who may not be privy to that, to that whole scene. There's a huge national scene of, of that, of these neo soul female singers that are just, it's mind blowing. Some of these women and the musicians are, are some of the best musicians in the world. And it's really cool to get to experience sharing that with someone like, like you as accomplished as a vocalist as you are. I think that you would really appreciate 
Thank what you. they're doing. So I don't know. I've given you a lot of compliments. I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, I feel I'm gonna, like I'm... I'm going to go check out those people you just mentioned when I leave here. <laughs> Good. I'm going to put it on my station. Good. Yeah, I'll make you a list. But so I guess we can go ahead and wrap it up. If you, you need, I know you need to get to the sound check. They're probably over there by now. It's about 630. I would think so. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. Let's uh, tell everyone your website where they can find you and your music and your calendar. You can go to JackieDarlene.com. And there's my tour dates, my bio, um, and contact info if you're looking to book me. Yeah. Um, and then there's Facebook, uh, facebook.com, Jackie Darlene Music. And Instagram is the same link. Jackie Darlene Music. Yeah, Instagram.com, Jackie Darlene Music. Facebook's the same one. And then Twitter, Jackie Darlene Texas, TX. So you find get, me on social media. Couldn't get Jackie Darlene Music on Twitter? No, there's a Jackie Darlene on Twitter, and she hasn't posted anything in, like, years. But she has it already. Twitter know. sucks. I don't get any value out of Twitter. I, get I don't so- ever use it. I just I, tag, I use it when I post something on Instagram, and I can say, post on Twitter, too. Yeah. That's the only time I ever use Twitter. I don't even look at it. No. Ever. I don't get any engagement out of Twitter at all. I deleted both of my Twitter accounts, actually, last week. I had one for this podcast and I had one for my band and I just, I haven't been, I haven't looked at them intentionally in, I don't know how long. So I got rid of them. I'm focusing more on Instagram. I think Instagram's where it's at for me. But anyway, so yeah, go check that out. JackieDarlene.com. And uh, she's phenomenal, everyone. I know I've, I've gushed a lot over you and I tried not to do that, but I find you to be extremely talented and I want everyone to know we have a lot of listeners on this show, and it's growing really? exponentially. So awesome. I, I definitely wanted you to be a part of it. So people, it means a lot to me, and I appreciate you having me here. Yeah, absolutely. So check her out, JackieDarlene.com. Check me out, ChrisWatsonBand.com. We got uh, we're going to get back at it next year with a new record and uh, already booking festivals and tour dates in the spring. So uh, I'll start posting those after the beginning of the year. And thanks a lot for listening and make sure to subscribe and rate five stars for visibility on the podcast and uh, we'll catch you next time.